Okay, so uh, we're starting now the, uh, the 18th letter. Uh, he ended off the 17th letter talking about how, you know, we have to come up with a new plan. We have to, you know, rediscover Yiddishkeit, the spirit of Yiddishkeit. Uh, and he's going to say he's going to give some suggestions. So the 18th letter, towards the end, he's going to kind of give some suggestions and he's going to talk about uh, how, to, how to rediscover Yiddishkeit. Um, the beginning of the 18th letter, he gets into a discussion of you know, how we got to where we are today. That's really the, the, the context of the beginning of the 18th letter. Um, it's very interesting, right? This is, this is not an uncommon thing. We find this, you know, in, in the, the morale in Teres Yisrael, right? I think it's Perik Nunbez. He has this famous Perik there where he discusses, you know, what happened, you know, how things deteriorated to the point where they are, you know. And, and what's the purpose? Again, you have to learn from your mistakes, right? Uh, you know, uh, I, I think there's a saying from, uh, from Mark Twain, right? History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Right? Is that, uh, you know, obviously things don't happen the same way, you know, twice. And you, know, you think they do, you end up, you know, you think that you're fighting, you know, Moses Mendelssohn in America 2023. You know, you're not, but it does arrive. There are things, things that come up and, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to learn how to, we have to learn from it. And, and just to appreciate, especially, you know, he's dealing with, like we said, he's not only fighting reform of Hirsch, but he's also in a way fighting the establishment, right? He's fighting the, the, the old school who were kind of stuck in a certain way and didn't really know, couldn't really appreciate the younger generation and how to deal with it. And so he has to kind of explain how the way things are now are not the correct way and, you know, show, you know, the mistakes that led to where we are in, in, a, you know, in a way to learn, you know, what to do, what not to do and how to break free from, uh, from these issues. That's the idea. Um, and again, he's going to say some very, very strong things. Uh, he's going to say particularly against the Rambam. He famously wrote some very, very strong words against the, against the Rambam. And so, again, it's important to understand, I think, first of all, Rav Hirsch is very young when he writes this. You know, there's a certain uh, fire, of, you know, the Torah says, but, you know, you know, it's a, he's, uh, you know and, and there's such a concept. When he was older, he didn't write the, the same way. This is, this is a shtark as he's written, you know, uh, you know, he's written very, very strong against reform in his later years, you know, against Graz and etc. But, uh, you know, it's also interesting, you know, he writes here in the back that when they were translating this into Hebrew, the 19 letters, the Chazanesh had told him to leave out some of these parts. Uh, he brings the Chazanesh to leave out some of the parts where he discusses against the Rambam. What? That's what he writes there. And he said that the idea was, he said, the Rambam, they realized later on, and they just recently published in the last few years, the 19th volume of, uh, I'm sorry, the ninth volume of the collected writings. Right? And there you see that he quotes a lot from the Chassid Yaivitz. The Chassid Yaivitz was, was from the Rishonim that was, uh, you know, he was part of the Girish Svarad. Right? He was part of the Spanish expulsion. And a lot of what he says about the Rambam, he's really basing it on the Chassid Yaivitz. In other words, this is, you know, he's, you know, the critique of the Mar Nebuchim. The Hirsch wasn't the first one to critique Mar Nebuchim, right? He's, the Rishonim at the time were, uh, were, were burning the Rambam Svarad for this reason. And a lot of his critique came from the Chassid Yaivitz. And so, you know, you know, given the right context, they left, you know, he says we can learn it and they don't have to worry about it. In addition, like always, you know, he's trying to bring out a point. And we have all the, the you know, the caveat critiques that we love to make. But what about this? What about this? He's trying to bring out a point. And, and that point usually has more to do with the way people understand the Rambam than what the Rambam actually says, right? And it's a big turn. This is the, the, the idea of Marnevuchim is obviously one of the most complicated things. Just reading Marnevuchim, just the words is almost impossible, right? It's written in Arabic. 
all the different translation and nuances. And you know, obviously the Rambam was the Rambam, and uh, he writes that the Rambam was the Rambam. No one's, so we shouldn't take this personal. We should try to understand the point he's trying to make. That's the main thing. I'm not. I'm no expert in Mar Nebuchim. I'm certainly not an expert in the Kabbalah. He'll be crit- criticizing Hasidim here. You know, Moses Mendelssohn obviously is going to come up. So yeah, we should take it all kind of. You know, understand the point he's trying to make. And if you don't think, if you think he's misunderstanding the Rambam, fine. So he's misunderstanding. It's fine. That's that's fine. Just this is the point he's making. If he does not, you know, he's criticizing a certain idea. If the Rambam is not saying that idea, okay, fine. So then he's not criticizing the Rambam. He's criticizing this idea. If this is what the Rambam meant, this is how people understood it. That's irrelevant. But that's the that's the that's that's, that's the idea. Let's just try to now again. What his main point was, and this is very important because uh, you know there's a lot of there was a little bit of misunderstanding of you know some people were hacking me about it, um, and like this. Rav Hirsch's, Rav Hirsch's critique, the basic overall critique, is that Yiddishkeit has been misunderstood because of all the issues that we're going to be discussing to, you know, in, the, in the 18th letter, it will take us probably a, a, maybe a, a month or two, right? Is that uh, so many different issues, you know, Yiddishkeit has been misunderstood largely because we were living there in the ghetto and Yiddishkeit was cut off from the rest of the world. And so Yiddishkeit became just, you know, hacking away in the Gemara, pilpul, right? You know, a lot of the... Pilpul, the reverse, was certainly not the first time the Mashad. You know, a lot of people were anti-Pilpul. It became very, very self-contained. It became cut off from reality. It became cut off from, you know, the way people are living. Because we, well, we, our lives were what? We are one crowded block in a ghetto with the limited, you know, economic options. And so we, we began to, we began to, there was a severance between the Taira and the world which the Taira was meant to be a part of, Right. And so Yiddishkeit, we have to reclaim the spirit of Yiddishkeit, right? It's not enough to just, you know, be a Yid. You have to really know what it means to be a Yid. What is the purpose of Yid? What is the destiny? What is the, what is the Torah all about? What are the mitzvahs meant to be? And, and that spirit of Yiddishkeit is what's missing more than anything else. Where Rav Hirsch is, is different maybe than most people is that Rav Hirsch understands the spirit of Yiddishkeit is contained in the law. In other words, we can't separate, that's going to be very clear from this letter, you can't separate the law from the mitzvahs, right? In other words, because again, a common thing you'll hear today, and he's going to mamish write this, you know, already, uh, right? The idea that the purpose of Yiddishkeit is, I don't know, closest to Hashem. It's something you hear very common today. It's all about your relationship with Hashem, close to Hashem. The mitzvahs are like a hechetimsa to get there, right? So in other words, you're looking for the spirit of Yiddishkeit in something that you think, which is some sort of emotional connection, which is an idea that you got from, I don't know where, right? And now the Torah has mitzvahs, so what are all these mitzvahs? Okay, the mitzvahs are a way to get you there, right? Rav Hirsch's philosophy, like we've been saying the last 17 letters, is that the spirit of Yiddishkeit is contained in the laws. The laws is the spirit. Right? What are these laws? What are the details of the halacha? What are these mitzvahs meant to accomplish? What are they meant to do? Right? And that's where you're going to find the meaning of Yiddishkeit. And in Rav Hirsch, it's all about the chukim, the mishpatim, the tyrus, the edus. Each category of mitzvah, the way he described, has a certain role. It's about, it's about a relationship with other people. It's about relationships with ourselves, our own bodies, our families, with the world. The mitzvahs are symbols to remind us of certain ideas. Avaida, to inspire us. Right? Mitzvahs have, have, have purposes in themselves. You can't look for a purpose outside of Yiddishkeit and then try to figure out a way to stim the mitzvahs. That's the, because that, that was Rav Hirsch's philosophy. And again, he'll get back to how we can, you know, reclaim that. But that's, that's the main idea. So Rav Hirsch is all about the mitzvahs. It's all about doing the mitzvahs. But not in this dry, just mechanical, just learn the mishabura in the Shabbos kitchen, right? No, it's the opposite. It's you need to, you need to, you need to inject the meaning and find the meaning, but the meaning needs to be within the mitzvahs themselves, within the Torah itself, and not some foreign idea. That's, that's really the big, big difference. You know, and we'll see that we'll see that throughout this letter. So let's read the letter and we'll see we'll see exactly what it means. 
Yisrael's entire being, page 263 in the Elias version, uh, rests upon Tyra. Tyra is its basis, its goal, its lifeblood. That's it, right? We can really, that's pretty much all you ever need to know about a Yiddish guy, right? If our relationship to Tyra is sound, Yisrael can suffer no ills. If it's ailing, if our relationship to Tyra is ailing, Yisrael cannot be well. Any wrong developments in Yisrael owe their rise, or at least their perpetuation, to a faulty understanding of our Tyra. Right? And by the way, I just, this sounds like silly, but like, you know, it sounds almost like a 10th grade Rebbe schmooze, but you cannot repeat this enough because it's, it's amazing how so, much, so many foreign ideas have crept into, you know, into, into our vocabulary, into like a world today. And, you know, th- today we have a new religion of therapyism, right? And therapyism comes along with its like, you know, with its ideas about human happiness and flourishing. And these ideas are underlying all psychology, right? It's complete kfira, right? So, you know, you have, a, you have the right type of people that can draw out the good ideas. And, but like, you know, the language of therapy is very, very much like, you have to, I heard it, I, told, I think I said this here, There's a certain person told me, you know, he has to be, you have to be a good human being. You have to be, you know, content with yourself. And then, otherwise, like, Davin, it's like, I, you know, I'm not happy with myself. How can, like, you don't have to be happy with yourself, right? You, you are, the purpose of life is to keep the tire. This is what it means to be yourself. There's no, there's no self-independent of the tire. There's no self-independent of, right? That is what it is. Now again, of course, a person sometimes there could be issues with your head and you have to figure out a way to fix it. There's a mental health issue. It's like, it's like if, you, if, you, if you have no arms, you can't put on tefillin. So if your brain is messed up, it's going to be hard to do mitzvahs. But like to separate, you know, that there's something called life, there's something called you know, hashkafa, and then there's like the tyros, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, people love it. That's why therapists, it's, all, it's a power grab, right? They love to like make their sweeping declarations. Oh yeah, he's putter from mitzvahs because, you know, oh, and he should get divorced and he should do this. And he, right? It's like, there's like, there's like something that's like, you know, Torah is what defines Yiddishkeit. And you know, we always talk about being on the right side of history, the wrong side of history, and, and there's one side of history and that is the side of the Torah. And if you're loyal to the Torah, then that's fine. You could, you could have very, very radical shittas. And throughout history, there have always been people that are very radical shittas, right? There have always been. You know, we, 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 in retrospect, we don't, we, we don't realize sometimes how controversial they were at the time. Right? People are, and, but you know what I mean? The difference between them and the, and the Kaifer is, the question is, what were his motivations and was he being loyal to the Torah? Right? You have Reform Judaism, and he'll write some very nice things about Moses Mendelssohn, right? You know, he's, Moses Mendelssohn is a from Yid, right? Who uh, had a tremendous, he sacrificed a lot for Yiddish guy, right? Famous story with Mendelssohn, with the, with the Christians. But the idea that, what is your motivation, right? Are you, being motiv- are you motivated by feminism? Are you motivated by some liberal ideology? Are you motivated by Torah? If you're motivated by Torah, that's fine. Now, you can have some machines and we can tolerate it. But that, that, is, that, is, the, that is the ultimate. And I don't know, somehow there's like this sense that we just... That we forget that. I don't know. It's like, there are just things that are, it sounds almost like corny to say that Torah is the most important thing in the world. It's, it's not the most important thing. It's like the only thing, right? It's like, it's not like, it's like, it's like you know, it's, it's like we, I don't know. It's just like we, 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 somehow the world of psychology just like, it irks me. It, that, that's what the point is. There's, there's a lot of amazing things in the world of psychology and a lot of things that they can help. And, you know, and uh, Ravar and Lapiansky, whatever, certainly is someone who's very supportive of it in, in its right place. But it's, it's created an entire language of the world, which is independent from Tyra. You know, someone once said, once, someone once asked him, you know, you know, kid is, uh, you know, kid is sleeping in, you know, he said, when, do you, when do you call the mashkiach and when do you call the therapist, right? He sleeps every day. Till, so he says, he says, if he's sleeping every day, you know, missing for a seder, but, you know, when he's, I don't know, going to the Super Bowl party, he has no problem getting up, 
He says, then he called him Hashkiach. He says, but if he's sleeping in every day and he's not going anything, okay, then he could call. Those are certain things that if someone has something wrong in his head, then there's, there's a tremendous chachma. But like that, that there's a language of, of life that's independent of Torah is just, I don't know, it's like somehow, it, I'm not sure if I'm getting the point across. You know what I mean? Like that, that this is what it is. Like it, it sounds almost so basic that we don't say it. Right? You know, like sometimes it's like so simple to say that like, it sounds like a catchphrase from a 10th grade Rebbe. But like it's actually, now that we're a little bit older, you should actually just, you know, re, you know, forget everything you learned, you know, and, 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 and it's like relearn it for the first, like Chomish, right? When you learn Chomish for the first time, you know, as an adult, you're like, oh my gosh, this is different than my Mora told me. You know, it's like, uh, you know, but that's the idea. It's that the Torah is, that is what the purpose is. Hashem created the world to do His Ratzin. The Torah is Hashem's Ratzin for us. What does Hashem want is what does the Torah want. Those are the same thing. There is no Hashem without the Torah. Right? Hashem and the Torah are one of the same. The only thing we know about Hashem is from His Torah. And the Torah is what He wants us to do and how we're supposed to live our lives. Okay, that's just, uh, I wanted to get it out there. So again, the, anything that went wrong in Klai Yisrael is because we misunderstood the Torah. Already regarding our first national catastrophe, our sages, possessed of profound insight, pointed out that the ultimate cause was, right? They asked uh, this person, why was it the business this person? They finally asked Hashem, and Hashem said, what does it mean? They didn't make a berchus at What does that mean? Meaning that the Torah was not studied with the resolve to fulfill it. That is, in relation to life, for the sake of living it. Right? Torah was, was viewed as, as, you know, the thus Torah study became devoid of vitality. It cannot permeate life, cannot truly provide light and warmth. People were learning Torah as an academic thing. Yeah, you're learning it just be a chvestish, whatever the reason is, right? It's intellectual, it's a chachma, right? That's what Torah is. They didn't learn Torah as a basis for their lives. That's what our first learning the idea. What, that is what Torah lishma is. Torah lishma, right? Maybe Shem already writes this, right? They looked at Torah like a science. They looked at Torah as, you know, theoretical, hypothetical, pilpul. It was just, you know, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Valajan, right? You know, Valajan in the, uh, the first, uh, the great yeshiva, Valajan, the Eimai yeshivas, right? Had a lot of radicals in Valajan, right? Yeah, Bialik, of course, everyone knows. But like, you know, they were, they were uh, you know, the communists there and the Zionists, right? And again, it's a, it's a complicated sugya, the sugya of, of, of Valajan. But like, one, one of the issues was that for a from Yid, the only place that you went, you know, the intellectuals went to Valajan. You went to Yeshiva because that was where all the Jewish intellects were, right? So, like, you weren't going to college. Not all of them could. So, like, it became the place where, like, you know, and that's what Torah was. It was like, okay, learning Gemara is interesting. You ever read, uh, you know, if you shouldn't, but like, you ever read, like, you know, these super modern or even non-religious academics writing about Gemara, and it's incredible. It's like, it's like someone told me the biggest Bucky in Kabbalah, right, in the first half of the 20th century was, pro- was probably Gershon Sholem, right? And he was a complete, like, Haifa, you know what I mean? Like, he writes about, you know, Shabbat Tzvi, the famous book of Shabbat Tzvi, his first chapter, I mean, talking about the Rishimu and the Chila, I mean, these are things which I don't even know what they even mean. And he's writing about them. He knows every source and everything, but like completely void of, of right? It was not Amanas Lasis. It wasn't learning it in order to, to actually make an impact on your life, right? It was just an independent study, right? And if you're looking for the cause of our present illness, you will again find it in this failure alone, right? It's not connecting Torah to reality. It's not recognizing that the Torah is meant to be yeah, it's like studying Torah the correct way. And that's the issue, right? That's, again, that's, that's the whole, that's this whole safer. Is how do we learn Torah correctly and draw out from it? Right, okay. So now originally, now he's going to start the uh, progression through history, right? So we have Ba'ez Rishon already. Originally, only the fundamentals of Yisrael's teachings were recorded in writing as Torah Shebech Right? So this is a very, very important point, right? The t- only thing that written down was was Okay, we had uh, maybe Navi, you know, we had Naviim that came up later. Their broader applications, however, 
So, uh, right, so first of all, the details of the mitzvahs were not written down, right? That's Tarsha Malpeh. And above all, their spirit and inner life, right? Were to be perpetuated by the living words, Tarsha Malpeh. Very, very important point there. So first of all, Rav Hirsch, his understanding of Tarsha Malpeh is not unique, but it's a very, very important point. And again, obviously, when you're dealing with the fight against reform, and reform are being kaifer in Teresh Peh, this became very important. Right? His famous articles against Graz were all about this idea of Teresh Peh, right? of where it came from. Because right? the reformers were like, the rabbis made it up. You saw they, the times changed, and so they had to change, right? The Chavita, the, the, the Bible was all about Karbanais, and the later on, the rabbis came along, oh, no Karbanais, it's all about you know, inner tshuva, you know, it's all about your heart, and you know, and so you see, we're also going to reform, all right? The Judaism in the 1800s is different. We have to change, just like they changed. That was, you know, that was, that was the kind of the idea, which at first obviously had to fight tooth and nail, right? The idea that the terror is all, and this whole Pirish and Chumash is a way of showing that the terror Shabal Peh is really contained in the terror Shabal Sab, right? The Mulagain was famous about this. So that's first of all. So the way a person understands Teresh of Alpeh is the following. He compares the two going to a lecture, right? You're going to a... Right, because the issue of Teresh of Alpeh is sometimes you read Gemara and it's like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, if a Gezerah Shava says a word here, it says a word in a completely unrelated area, an extra hey, an extra vav, like this is like a little bit... Imagine like, you know, an American constitution would work the same way as a, as a, as a Teresh of Alpeh. It's just like it would be a little nuts, right? He says, it's like, imagine you go to a lecture, right? So you're writing notes. You're not writing that word for word, right? You're not writing that word for word. You're writing down Rashi Prakim. And you're going to make like, you know, bold and underline and make arrows pointing to another, right? And a little, little dot here, a little star there. That's what it is. The Torah is Torah Shabal Peh. That is the main Torah. Torah Shabal Peh can contain everything. Hashem had to give, right? Torah Shabal Peh, you know, you haven't noticed, like, you know, we, you know, we're about to head into like, you know, heavy Nashim, right? The Gitan Kedushin, right? Where's the whole mitzvah of Gitan and Kedushin in the Torah? Is a mitzvah of, right? Where's the mitzvah of Kedushin? Right, Kedushin, one of the most important mitzvahs in the Torah is getting married. It's in the mitzvah of Machsegrushasai, right? The chiv of a husband to a wife is weir, is like in the mitzvah of Amevriya, right? Sheirak Susavainasa la Yigra comes in a parish of Yiyud, where a guy buys a katana and then gives it off to her son, and the son doesn't want to do Yiyud, right? It's like, uh, because the point is that this is not Torah. Torah is Torah Shabbat right? Torah Shabbat is comprehensive, it's all encompassing, right? We get very caught up in Tayag mitzvahs and like, you know, we, we, most of our understanding of mitzvahs comes through like Parshat HaShavua. So it's very, the, the, the Torah gave examples, like cases of Machsigu Shasi, because it's a weird example, and in it contains thousands of halachas, right? Thousands, right? The idea of, in the case of Machsigu Shasi, we get Gitin, we get Kedushin, we get everything in there, right? So we're picking, you know, unique, weird examples almost, because you can get the most information in there. Right, first says the first miss of the Torah, right? Parsh next, next uh, mishpatim, right? He's sick in the Ebed Ivri, right? Again, the first miss of the Torah. I mean, you know how many thousands of halachas you have to know before you can even read the pasuk of, of the parsha of Ebed Ivri. I mean, he's sick in Ebed Ivri. How do you buy an Ebed Ivri? A kinyanim. You have to know. Right? He's a meicher bezin. He was stolen. Hilchas geneva. All right, you know complicated hilchas geneva. You look at the end of a kama, right? It's, we're talking about there are millions of halachas contained, right? You know, Taryag was something that the Ga'inim and early Rishayim were busy with. Like, it's Torah is all Kamehazim. Torah Shabal Peh is what we refer to the law. Yeah, it's contained in Torah Shabbat Sav as a way to help us remember it. Again, this is what Torah Shabbat Sav is, right? Obviously, Torah Shabbat Sav is written by Hashem, so there's a certain inherent Kedusha in yet. Obviously, there's deeper concepts of Torah Shabbat Sav. Fine. You know, that's not, the, that's not of Hirsch's you know, discussion here. But the idea of Torah Shabbat Peh is, first of all, that is the Ikr Torah. That is the first thing about Torah Shabbat. But more than that, Torah Shabbat Peh, Torah Shabbat Peh was meant to also preserve the spirit and inner life, right? The spirit, in other words, you can't contain the, the spirit of Yiddishkeit in, in, in written words, right? You can't write that spirit. What we're talking about, 
the hashkafa we call it hashkafa, right? The the chasidus you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, the muster of Torah, which is clearly a part of Torah. The idea that the Torah was just a bunch of black and white laws without having a spirit is of course absurd. Right? Where was that spirit? That was that was Baal That was from a Rebbe to a Tama. That was in the society, in the culture. Right? Hashem created a nation, and that spirit was perpetuated from father to son, from Rebbe to Talmud. Right? Explaining the hashkafas, the outlook, the perspective, the reasons of the mitzvahs. Right? That was also all part of Teresh Baal But the burdens of the times and our dispersion threatened the survival of our code. Right, of, of, uh, of our teachings. And so the Mishnah was recorded in writing, leaving the underlying ideas, the spirit to all the Mishnah. So again, we wrote down Mishnah, but even Mishnah. Mishnah is just very basic, right? But still, the details, the svaras behind things, that was all about Peh. And also, the spirit, right? There's no Agada to come out of Mishnahis. Mishnahis has very little in terms of Agada, right? It's pretty much the law. Again, pressure of the times made it necessary to commit more to writing. The spirit of the Mishnah was recorded in the Talmud, right? So again, what do we write down in the Gemara? The Svaras, the reasons behind things, the Lumdas, the back and forth. But only its practical expression. The Talmud's spirit remained reserved for oral transmission. Again, he kind of seems to be saying that Agadata developed separately. Right? In other words, yeah, there are some Agadata in Gemara, but maybe that came later. Pressure of the times demanded more. The underlying ideas of the Tanakh and the Talmud were recorded in the Agados. Right? So that's how we have all the Medrash and the different Agadas that developed. Right? That was a separate thing. Right? Again, very, very difficult. But again, in a veiled form. Requiring of the student an active effort on his part in order to grasp the inner spirit which can really be passed down only by word of mouth. This is something which, by the way, the Bill Gain writes about this tremendously. Agada was Chazal, the Maral, obviously this is the whole Maral. Agada was the spirit of Yiddishkeit as passed down from Chazal. But again, you can't write down a spirit of Yiddishkeit. Look how, you know how hard it is to write a Sefer of the spirit of Yiddishkeit, and so many people have tried, and he's going to write about all the different attempts, right? It's almost impossible, right? You can write down kind of Rashi Prokim, but like, you know, if you read it, you know, you can read like a Sefer, like a Maral, and just read it like a dry, you know, textbook, right? It has to be understood properly, and it's perspective, and drawn out, right? So yes, Chazal wrote down, Agadat are you know, just they're written very strangely sometimes, it's right, you know, the Vilna Gain, his famous, um, his Abir al-Kama Agadas, right? He gives these, right, you know, the Rabbi Aaron Feldman had wrote an English translation, the Juggler and the King, right? These are stories which sound absurd, and in it is contained, and you read the Gain, it's like, someone told me that, Aaron Feldman told me, he was Makar of Yidin with his book, not just from the genius of it. Like, you read a story that this bird, you know, you know, defecated in the sting and it dried up the whole thing. Just the most absurd about grinding and ropes and measuring. And it's like contained the most beautiful and, and amazing ideas of Yiddishkeit, right? So again, it's passed down. But again, you still need that oral transmission. That's what he's trying to say. That as much as we write down Taira, right, still the idea of an oral transmission is so important to pass on the spirit of what the Taira is. The teachings, the Torah teachings and the spirit took refuge in two academies, right? So I guess it's not clear as the Surah and Pumbadisa probably is talking about, right? And Bavel, but these eventually were undermined, destroyed by jealous passions and errors of thought. Again, not clear what exactly he's referring to, but again, you talk about the issue of the era of the Ga'inim, right? The Sadi Ga'in and the fights between the Reish Galusa and the Ga'inim, right? The way it worked back then was there was the Gain, he was the head of the yeshiva, and then you had the Reish Galusa, he was more like the politician in charge. And there were all sorts of fights, and you know, obviously that's when the Karayim showed up, and it was a, uh, it's not clear, but in other words, right, the whole era of the Gainim is, is, right, from the Chasimah Satanbud until the Rishonim, there's very little, right, we have the letters from uh, Rabbi Shri Gain and Rabbi Sadi, and we know a little bit, but like, not a lot, what? 
Savrayim, yeah, who are the Savrayim? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult. The Savrayim were like, you know, what, maybe like 50 years? No one knows. No one knows what the Savrayim were. Now the later academics think they were much longer, that it wasn't like, you know, Gemara was written over a longer period. It wasn't like Chasimah Satamud really until much later. It's hard to know. The point is, is that, you know, Torah went into exile, right? That's it. You know, Babel was a very strong area. Ultimately, goes into exile. It starts spreading throughout the entire world. The letter of the law and its outward practical fulfillment were salvaged, right? So the halachis, we were able to save the Torah Shabbat the details of halachis, right? We have a lot of sucking from the Ga'inim and you know, all these things, Gemara, obviously. But its spirit fled, only leaving behind the letters, symbols which the spirit was concealed. Right? We have these Agatha Gemaras, we have some Smarim, we have some very little about what the actual spirit of the law is. So this is obviously, by the way, this is a story of, of Gullus, right? That, the, you know, Gullus is, we just don't know. We don't have a Nevi'im that could give us a genuine spirit of Yiddishkeit. We don't have, a, you know, G'daylim, we don't have them. We don't have a Sanhedrin, which could, you know, think about even in, think about even in like Torah, you know, even in Halacha, right? There, there's, there's a million sheet that's about everything because we don't have a, a Bezdin which could say, no, this is the Halacha, finished. My father, he has his kail in the morning, he's learning now Hilchus Brachas. So I think of Shragi Kals, he gives a share there, you know, from Eretz and I think he said this, I think it was him, he said something very interesting, he's like, he says, in Hilchas Brachas, we have very little consensus, right? There's like, there's no like, this is what everyone does, right? There's like, he says like, it's, it's not something which is public, so it's like, in one of those areas of Halachas, which like never developed, like, you know, like a consensus. Most of the areas, you know, in Hilchas Shabbos, is like a consensus, you know what I mean? Like, this is kind of, okay, there's Machlaikasim, but much more consensus. Hilchas Brachas, we're like, okay. You know, like the joke, they say, I'm under the fishy, they asked him what bracha to make on something, he said, I'm not a still a bracha, you know, it's like, you know, it's the, right? But again, we, we, you know, we don't have consensus, we don't have, and the, and the spirit, he says, the spirit of what it means, the hashkafa. What, the, what he assumes, you know, is his version of what the Torah is. Right? He's, he, that's the whole idea. Rav Hirsch says that his, he's, Rav Hirsch's whole thing is that, that, that his idea, what he says, that is genuine Yiddishkeit. That is the way it was always understood. And for all the reasons he's describing, it was forgotten. Right? But you look in the Chazal, you read Gemara, this is what the Torah was. It was about the world. It was about the Derech It was about, you know, everything that he's been describing. Okay, from these letters and symbols which served as hiding places, right, these secret agadas, etc., as well as from whatever had been salvaged by some individuals, the spirit of the Torah had to be recovered. Right? In other words, the Torah came, emerged from, the, from, the, from, from Bavel. We have some Gemaras, some agadas, some drushas, some midrashim, and we have some individuals that, you know, were kind of had that tradition passed down, that had the spirit of Yiddishkeit, but we had to rebuild it, right? We had to now figure out a way to impart the Torah to the mainstream. Right? It's interesting, Salvechik, I think he said once, he says that, uh, I know it was like a mistake, but it's like the fact that Chazal didn't write down, you know, like a hashkafa safer clearly, you know, in the way they did Gemara, is what leads to so many issues, right? So they, again, refers is kind of saying it's almost impossible to do, right? You need to, right? It's like, you, you know, you see like, even like Salvechik is a perfect example where he has Tamidim that range from like Ramesha Meiselman and, you know, uh, who was Ramesha Turskia, you know, his grandson, who were like yeshivish, hardcore right wing. Then you have, you know, all the way on the left, you have the middle, right? Because it's, it's you know, it's, it's very, you know, a person says so many things in his life and you could point to one thing and take it, to, you know, it's very hard. It's hard to like, to, to pass on, a, 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 you know, a spirit of something. But uh, there were people that tried. So some unique personalities excelled brilliantly at this endeavor, right? So there were people that came along that were coming now to kind of recreate, to write down, to teach the spirit of Yiddishkeit as it is supposed to be. And this is where, obviously, he says, so he calls them some unique personalities, excelled brilliantly. 
But obviously, he's gonna he's gonna have a problem with a lot of them. And the first one we'll discuss is Marinavuchim, which Mitzvah Hashem will uh, will start next week. But again, the basic idea, what he's trying to say is that the spirit of Yiddishkeit is what's missing. We're not learning and keeping the mitzvahs in the correct way, which is what leads to all our problems. And he says because again, most of this was relied on by tradition, right? In other words, we we, we the spirit of Yiddishkeit, even the halachas originally were just Teresh Peh, was just Peh. But then the spirit of Yiddishkeit in particular was relied on by tradition, by Ramazim, by by drushes, right, and it slowly had to kind of make its way, you know, into the uh, into the Hamayin, and uh, and there were issues because of Gullus, because of our dispersion, that spirit was lost, and now we had to figure out a way to to, to, to recreate it or at least to spread it, and that's uh, and that's what we'll discuss next week. Uh,